Welcome to a very special episode of our tag series talking about guns. This one is particularly special because we're about to release a survey of 1,000 gun owners taken by Beacon Research in Boston. And joining us to dig into that data is Mark McKinnon in Colorado. Mark is a well-known Republican strategist. Are you still a Republican strategist? Do we still say that? Well, I, I have done campaigns in, since 2008. So, But you know strategy better than everybody. You host the circus on Showtime. I do. Right? You've worked with George W. Bush, John McCain, Ann Richards. Ann Richards, too, right? Exactly. Amazing. Yes. Um, I'm just going to ask you quickly, of all of this work, aside from this conversation, of course, what's the biggest career highlight? Well, I mean, for anybody who works in politics, you know, grabbing the golden ring of, of helping to elect a president is as good as it gets. I mean, that's that's the show, you know, that's like the Super Bowl of politics. So so crossing that finish line with George W. Bush, although it took several months, right. was, was really the highlight. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we're going to dig into this polling data, Mark. You know, as you know, you're on the 97 percent advisory board. Guns and intractable issue. Can you give us, in your, from all of your work, how polling has been able to move the needle on an issue that you've worked on? Yeah, I'll, I'll give you a couple of examples. One very broad and well known, and one super micro. Uh, but but it's me. It's a great example. I think the most significant example of of polling that that not only captured and helped shape an issue, but but just showed how dramatically numbers can move and move quickly, although they seemed for a long time intractable, just like this issue. And that's the issue of, of marriage equality and, and, and right. gay marriage. Um, so in 2003, the number of people who opposed gay marriage uh, and marriage equality was 60%, and those who supported was 30%. 15 years later, those numbers flipped completely, and it was 64, 30, 30 opposed. Um, and so th that just shows how this uh, an issue can hockey stick. And while it may seem uh, that uh, that an issue is not getting a lot of traction or public support over time, it can hockey stick like almost overnight, even though it seems like it's been forever that it's been stuck. And so I think that's a terrific example. And by the way, another thing that's important about that issue, um, Matt, is that um, the the cohort of millennials, those born after 1980, are really the swing group there. And that, that's important because they've gone from 9% of the electorate back then to about 30% now and growing. So I think when we talk a little bit maybe further into the discussion about who do you target, that's clearly the group. Uh, the other more micro issue is just a weird one. I worked in Houston uh, for a mayor down there years ago. And he got kind of crosswise with some people who I have to back up. Houston is the only major urban city in America without any zoning laws. None. You can have a strip joint next to a school. And for reasons I don't even remember at this point, the mayor liked it that way. And there were a bunch of people who were trying to change the law. And as you can imagine, public support for that was was huge. It's like they, people thought it was nuts that there were no zoning laws in Houston. It was just a boon to construction interests. Uh, and so it polled, yeah, I don't remember exactly, but let's say 80, 20. Um, and, and that may be conservative, you know, four zoning laws. And the mayor said, McKinnon, I'm hiring you to, to shut this thing down. 
And I thought, man, there's just no way. I mean, I, how am I possibly going to figure out a message that sells with people when it when it polls at 80, 20? Well, we did a bunch of research and we first of all discovered how important women were to the issue. Right. And then we kind of backed into it when we discovered that we found some sort of expert in zoning laws that said, well, if you really think zoning, well, if you're really for zoning laws, this proposal is not that good. In other words, it was not it was not fulsome enough. Right. right. And so it's like if you're for, if you're actually for zoning laws, be against this zoning thing that's going to open up zoning because it's really not good enough. And that's how we won the election and flipped this. Uh, but, you know, this is that was just a, a really weird example of finding a message that, you know, when I didn't think there was one out there that, that right. was in the election. Run. Fantastic. So here we have this intractable issue. And what's interesting is when we poll gun owners, we ask how many gun owners, for example, support red flag laws. And we get 67 percent of gun owners express support, but only 26 percent of gun owners think that gun owners support red flag laws. Right. So more than two thirds do just about a quarter think that the other others do. How do we get the word out to gun owners about the gun owners that they mostly favor? For example, 84 percent of gun owners favor universal background checks in the Beacon research. How do we get the word out to gun owners? Well, first of all, I'd say that, you know, this this data is so compelling because it's not just the broad public. It is gun owners. And we discover that the numbers are as high as you could imagine among gun owners as they are among people who don't own guns when it comes to just just common sense safety issues uh, like background checks is just, right. just one example. I think it's a pretty compelling finding that you just mentioned um, that, well, the, pe- that, that, uh, the people don't believe that other gun owners support the same laws that they do. And I think that's part of the problem that has to be overcome is that the gun owners just have this notion that other gun owners have much different feelings about the laws than they do, even though most of them are probably Republican, conservative, or a lot of them anyway, I'd probably say a majority. And there's just this narrative out there that, um, and, and by the way, the reason there's a narrative is because there was the the most, the, the most well-funded lobby group in our history until recently when the thing melted down was the National Rifle Association. And we saw just what a corrupting influence an organization can be. Uh, And by the way, I've never seen an issue uh, that is so contrary in its polling to the public policy reality. Right. And that's why I see that there's huge potential here because, I mean, I think a lot of the, uh, I I think a ton of the reason that people you know, just flew in the face of, of, of the public support for these laws was that there was such a powerful lobby behind them. That lobby is not so powerful anymore. Well, you know, that's interesting, Mark, because it's not, it's the lobby, but it's what the lobby gets people to do on its behalf. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, Donald Trump was a really good example of that. I, and I know you remember this better than I do, but I remember it wasn't Sandy Hook, but it was a, it was a big major, you know, public uh, mass killing with guns pretty early in the Trump administration and he was on board for background checks. And at the last second, the NRA got to him. That's right. Uh, but, but I remember he was leaning in on it at the time because why wouldn't you? Right. I mean, it's just- what issue can you think of that has more widespread support in this country than background checks? Uh, there isn't one. There isn't one. There isn't one. I, I mean, I, I, and I don't know. I mean, uh, 
as much as we've talked about it and debated it, I still can't figure out what the argument against a background check is, uh, you know, other than the usual sort of slippery slope stuff, which to me is, is kind of crazy. But, uh, but, but again, the slippery slope stuff goes to just to a more embedded challenge with this issue, which I think is just, again, the NRA and people advocating for guns have, have slipped into this constitutional framework uh, that just sort of gets to people's notions of liberty and me against the government, which is a much kind of deeper emotional response. That's exactly what I wanted to ask you next. So you've almost answered the whole thing already. Uh, but the question would be, we do find that slippery slope gun owners do pay a lot of attention to that argument. And how can we fight against it? In other words, there, there are about 340 million people in this country. There are probably close to 400 million guns. We're not getting rid of guns in the United States, right? But that slippery slope, argue, slope argument still exists. What can we do better to fight against that argument? Well, I, I think that uh, I, I'm not familiar with all the organizations out there besides the NRA that are, are you know, gun-supporting organizations, but I, I know that there's lots of them. And I think because of the diminished status of the NRA, they should have enhanced status and they should be more open to discussing just common sense safety issues. So I think, I think that's an opportunity. I mean, the, the fact that the NRA just doesn't have the, the power and the resources that it once had. Also, time is going to be a friend over time. I know it's frustrating. It's taken a long time. But at a certain point, people say, I've been hearing the slippery slope argument for 30, 40, 50 years. And everybody's got guns. Right. <laughs> Nobody's taking your guns right. away. So at a certain point, I think that becomes a kind of just a boogeyman thing. And people say, oh, come on. You know, I've heard I've heard that I've heard people crying wolf about this forever. And the fact is that nobody's trying to take your guns away. And all we're trying to do is just put in place some you know, just reasonable safety, safety measures that, by the way, a majority, a strong majority of gun owners support. So absolutely. I think it's, it's with the work of groups like 97 percent that that's going to help push. this. And it's the, well, thank you. And then, you know, it's, what's also interesting is in the polling, it's not just, you know, gun owners or Democrats and Republicans. But when you poll Republicans, a majority of conservatives, a majority of Republicans, NRA members all support basic gun safety measures like background checks, right? So does it surprise you? Because Washington doesn't support it. Uh, and then how do we turn, how do we take, I hear what you're saying about the NRA and its former power, but how do we turn this into action? How do we get those Republicans and conservatives onto the side of advocating for Things like background checks. Well, you know, it's just going to be a combination of a shoulder to the wheel, big rock, steep hill, time, diminishment of the NRA. I hate to say it, but it, you know, there's going to be more incidents, and I think, and I think it's going to be harder and harder to stand up and defend against those incidents when you don't have. I mean, listen, if the NRA hadn't done what it did before, Donald Trump would have passed background checks, right? So if we have a similar incident like this, we have a Democratic president now. Uh, so, uh, again, I, 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 you know, I don't I'm not wishing for another incident, but I'm being a realist, knowing that something's going to happen and there'll be some pressure. And so there'll be some pressure for it and there won't be as much pressure against it because of the things that we just discussed. And, Mark, it's hard to remember the specific incident that led to uh, the meetings with Donald Trump on gun issues because there are so many of them. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, you, you, you lose count of uh, the, the Sandy Hooks and, you know, all the other mass killings. Uh, Columbine, I'm in Colorado. You know, we have to we go back to Columbine. Yeah, the shooting in the supermarket. 
Um, of, of this beacon research, is there a particular part that you as a strategist find the most interesting or useful? Yeah, I, I, um, um, I thought it was really interesting that a third of, of gun owners, only a third of gun owners are confident that the laws that we have in place keep uh, guns out of the hands of dangerous individuals. That's a kind of a shocking number to me because I would have thought, you know, that because of the resistance to changing the laws that people who own guns would say, oh, you know, dangerous individuals can't get guns. Well, it, it turns out they do understand that they can and they do. So I think that's kind of a light in the tunnel, too. Yeah. We have gun owners recognizing that that the dangerous individuals are, are able to get guns. The ex post facto, we need more measures to make sure they don't. Right. right. So that, to me, is a, an interesting and a unique finding. I'm glad you mentioned the statistic because I'm going to quiz you on a couple of stats that came out of this. There is not a shark tank that you'll fall into below you if you do not get these correct, Mark. What percentage of gun owners in the poll believe the gun issue, the issue of gun violence is extremely or very serious? 70%, sir. Very good, 71%. 85% of gun owners are very confident in their ability to keep their guns safe. What percentage said they're confident in other gun owners' ability to keep their guns safe? This is a tough one. Other gun owners. Are you cheating, Mark? Are you cheating? Yeah, I'm cheating. Of course, I have my notes. Uh, but I don't see that one. I'm going to tell you. Let me take a guess. You said, okay, how many gun owners think that other gun owners keep their guns? Yeah. 40. 26%. Wow. Right? It's interesting. What percentage? Okay, yes, right. This may have been the most surprising one to me. What yeah. percentage of gun owners favor requiring distinct markings on guns so law enforcement can trace these guns used in crimes? Yeah, that's about three quarters. Yeah, I was surprised. I was surprised by that. Yeah, and and that's 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 good because uh, you know the the with the, the printing technology and and other digital yeah, uh, yeah. schemes, uh, it's it's harder and harder to trace. You know, one thing I try to do here, Mark, is at the end I ask everybody, and I'm going to ask you, how many of those? This is not what I ask everybody. How many of those hats do you own? <laughs> it's embarrassing to tell. I cannot tell. It's like a Mel DeMarcos in her shoes. <laughs> Although, is there a closet specifically? Yeah, I may, I may walk over to the closet and give you a quick view of the closet. Yeah, I'm going to need to see that. Um, for the, for my tag series for 97%, who do you tag for us to speak to next? Who do you think would be a good person to have on? You know, I, I, I love going right into the lion's den and talking to somebody like Dan Crenshaw. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, he's an interesting cat, you know, and I think he's, uh, he's going to be around for a long time. He's a rising star on the Republican party, obvious military background. Uh, but, but he's also, he can be pretty fiery, but he can also be pretty reasonable and he can, and he can surprise you. And what you want are people who will surprise willing to, I mean, he's confident enough in himself that he's willing to be independent of the kind of the leadership. So it'd be people like that, that I take a look at very interesting. Okay. Mark, thank you so much for doing this. That's it for this episode of 97%. Join us in a couple of weeks. We're going to go to the closet now. Let's go to the closet and see what's going on here. I do not have a similar hat closet, Mark. I'm just telling you. You probably have something else, though. You have something else <laughs> in your closet. <laughs> 
Here we go. Oh, yeah. Look, look, there we go. You can see over my shoulder. Wow. Now. Yes, I definitely do. Oh, my gosh. How do you determine which one you're going to wear? Uh, well, the thing that's uh, the trick about these hats, too, is that I have a lot, but people think I have even more because the trick is to accessorize and actually just change up the hat bands. And so, but the reason I have so many hats is I have a hat to go with everything. You know, I've got a, I've got, a, I've got a hat in every color, basically. <laughs> All right, Mark, thanks so much for doing this. Hey, appreciate uh, what you're doing, Matt. I appreciate you being a part of this. It's really meaningful. Happy to do it. Thanks. Let me know. Thank you. Guys. Okay. Thanks so much.